This is Slack and Slash Productions. Bringing you an extra special bonus Strahdcast, a fast cast. Hello, heroes. Scott the DM here, and I'm here with a fast cast talking about Yester Hill. It's a location in the Curse of Strahd. Spoilers abound, of course. Yester Hill is a curious little anomaly. It is out of the way, both geographically tucked into the furthest corner of Barovia, and in terms of plots, it's unlikely that the PCs are going to come to Yester Hill for primary plot engine reasons. They are more likely to come as part of a chain quest. And so, for these two reasons, a DM might overlook Yesterhill, or at least just give it a cursory glance. And that's a mistake, because it's deceptively simple. It looks like four areas, maybe five, just kind of tucked away on a hill. What's the big deal? But it can turn into a chaotic scene, it can overwhelm DMs and PCs alike, and it can end up being a tremendously important moment because of the presence of our good friend Strad von Zerovich. We'll get to him. So there's a few reasons why Yesterhill is deceptive in its complexity, why a quick glance at it might suggest that it's not a big deal and you can pretty much run it as you go. The first one is scale. It just looks like a little hill. The scale is not marked, at least not on the map that I have in the Curse of Strad revamped. So one might assume that every square is equal to 10 feet, which is the case in most of the other maps in Curse of Strahd. That is not true. If you look closely at the description of Y3, the Druid Circle, you'll see that each square in this map is 50 feet, 50 feet each, which means that that central circle is 250 feet in diameter. We're already dealing with a pretty big scale in that one location. The entire hill itself is huge. So once you realize that, you're actually going to have to approach it differently, probably breaking it up into discrete locations. I'll make some suggestions later on. The next reason why it can end up being a clusterfuck is because of the foes involved. In Y3, the Druid Circle, there are six Druids and six Berserkers. They're sort of vaguely pre-placed. The description tells you what happens when the PCs enter, but they're not actually marked on the map. So you got to do that with 12 foes all at once. If Y4, the Golthius Tree is your PC's preference, they will there find three vine blights, six needle blights, and 12 twig blights. That's 21 monsters. That's incredibly complex. And as if that wasn't enough, there are two other creatures that may influence the outcome. If the druids complete a ritual, then they might awaken Winter Splinter. He is a tree blight, much more powerful than all the little blights that I mentioned before. And finally, as aforementioned, Strahd von Zerovich is nearby. It says that he 
observes the proceedings during the ritual. So we'll dig a bit deeper into Strahd's presence and potential influence in a bit, but right now we'll count Strahd and his nightmare, his, he's riding a nightmare horse, as two more monsters in this encounter. So that gives us a total of, I'm going to say, 34 monsters in this encounter. Nuts. Finally, there are a whole bunch of different things that the PCs might focus on here at Yester Hill. And for a, a standard dungeon, like, uh, you know, a dungeon crawl type dungeon, maybe to compare it to something in here, uh, compare it to the Amber Temple. I don't mind if the Amber Temple has four or five or even six different things to focus on, different mini goals, because it's a lot of different little environments. But here at Yester Hill, when the PCs arrive, they're probably going to have one of the following potential focuses. Retrieving the gem from the Wizard of Wines, which is kind of the same goal as stopping the Druid's ritual, because they need it. Destroying the Gulfius tree. That's not the tree blight, but the actual Gulfius tree, maybe. There may be a treasure or a fortune of Ravenloft here, as was the case in my campaign. And there's also a magic item called the Blood Spear of Kavan. It's described under special events, and it's not something the PCs are going to go looking for, but the way it's set up, it becomes this sort of instant distraction as another potential focus. In Y5, the Wall of Fog, you've got an illusion of a distant fortress, and that could be another focus, or at least a distraction. Personally, I would just cut it all together or move it to a different place in your campaign because it's got nothing to do with anything else and there's no payoff here at all. So Misty Illusion, Wall of Fog, maybe it's in there, hopefully not. And finally, there's Strahd. Again, just having Strahd present changes the nature of the encounter profoundly from the PC's perspective. So they might arrive pursuing one of those goals, say trying to retrieve the gem for the Wizard of Wines, they might end up getting completely derailed by the presence of one of those other focuses, especially Strahd von Serovich. This can result in a very clumsy and unpredictable encounter. Frustrating for the PCs, because they don't really know what they're after. Potentially deadly for the PCs, if they disagree on what they should be focusing on. And frustrating for the DM, because you just don't know how it's going to play out. So, because of the scale of the map, because of the sheer number of foes, and because of all those different focuses, potentially up to six different things for the PCs to focus on, Yester Hill is a nightmare. It's not a good kind of nightmare. How do we fix it? Well, the easiest solution, of course, is to strip it down to uh, remove some of those creatures. I would probably start with the blights, and maybe... If you don't feel that the PCs are ready to even handle the presence of Strahd von Zerovich, uh, then you can just take him out, and nothing else really changes about the encounter. So you can consider those uh, ways to trim this almost immediately. It could just be an encounter between a bunch of crazy druids, their berserker pals, and potentially Winter Splinter if they complete the ritual. That's one way to scale it down. I don't think that's necessarily a solution. I think that all of these elements are interesting, except maybe the wall of fog, but let's break it up. And the way to do it is to think of it 
for yourself as discrete acts, three acts in a little story, and also at the same time to break it up into locations. So each act can have a different location. That helps with the scale of the, the encounter, of course. Uh, so how might these play out? Well, it really depends on a lot of things. Uh, the first thing it depends on is what level your party is. According to the module as written, Yesterhill is designed for 6th level players. 6th. 6th level players. Uh, so assuming that they are around that, you don't necessarily need to take out a lot of stuff. Uh, it's supposed to be an appropriate uh, level of challenge. I should say, though, that that's really not necessarily true in Curse of Strahd. There's a lot of imbalance to the way that most of these are constructed. Personally, I think that sixth-level party, you should probably trim it a little bit, take out a few of those challenges. If your party is higher level, then don't hold back. And if your party has advanced to a point in the adventure where they may be ready to take Strahd on, then not only should you not hold it back, but you should uh, definitely create this three-act structure. Because Strahd, knowing that his opponents are powerful, is going to hold back until they've been worn down a little bit. The other thing to ask yourself before you plan out your story is, uh, what is the primary focus of the PCs for coming here? What's the goal they're trying to achieve? And I'm going to assume that their goal is retrieving the gem for the Wizard of Wines, but if it's different for you, if they've heard, say, nasty things about the Gulthiest Tree and they've come to destroy it, or if they've uh, come in search of one of the fortunes of Ravenloft, any of those other reasons, you're going to have to make some choices uh, that are different from these. But let's assume that they're coming for the Wizard of Wines gem. So Act 1 is going to be outside the Ring of Stones, because the Wizard of Wine gem is inside, most of the monsters are inside, that's where most of the action is going to go down. So you've got to find a place that's outside that ring. The PCs could approach from a bunch of different directions, most likely they're not going to. They're going to approach from the road, which means they come right on up to that Ring of Stones first. They don't go past it to the Gulfiest Tree. They might go around and look at all the cairns. Boring. So Act 1 is probably going to happen outside the Ring of Stones. And you get to decide, are they going to head for the Gulfiest Tree? In which case, just keep that area pretty much as it is. Have them besieged by blights. And in this case, the, this version of it, it, don't wait until they attack the Gulthiest Tree, make those Blights attack immediately. If you don't like the idea of a combat encounter with 21 different monsters, then you can replace a bunch of these Blights with a more powerful plant-based creature, something like a Shambling Mound. Up to you. Essentially, the idea is they want to check out this grove, they're curious about it, and it turns on them. The power of, of Ravenloft is manifested. If this is the way to do it, that is, if you want to make this Act 1 of your encounter, then you probably don't want the PCs to see Strahd immediately when they scope out the entire hill. In fact, you may also not want them to see the druids and even the statue inside the stones, because that will distract them, and then you won't have an Act 1. You won't have a, a, an encounter with the Blights. The other way to deal with that problem is if they head straight for the Ring of Stones, just make the Blight encounter happen outside that ring. So it's nothing to do with the Gulf history at all. It's just some of these druids have summoned nasty little plant beasts to protect them on the outside of the ring. 
basically I'm saying you can pick up that Blight Encounter and drop it wherever you need to so that it becomes Act 1, the first stage of this three-stage encounter. Why choose the Blights first? Easy. They are faceless. They are easy to kill. It's a warm-up act, almost by definition. You may not want that encounter at all, or you may want to replace combat with a more roleplay-focused challenge. That's There's already accommodations for that inside the module, because a certain breed of character is going to respond differently to Yester Hill. Barbarians, druids, maybe rangers, anybody who's, you know, attuned to nature is going to deal with this differently. And so you should provide a role-playing challenge for them that's different. In other words, rather than fighting a bunch of faceless blights, maybe Act 1 of your three-stage encounter is role-playing based, and maybe it has to do with those characters, the nature-based ones, making some choices. Okay? The way I played this out is to have the druids approach or meet the PCs near the edge of the Ring of Stones. They're not hiding. They sensed the arrival of, we'll say it's a barbarian, and they hail that barbarian. Welcome, welcome. You, like us, feel the power of nature within your blah, blah, blah. Um, then it becomes about you know asking that party member to join them. Maybe there's a ritual that they'd like him to enact. And... At this point, you might even consider tying the Blood Spear of Caven into it, because the Blood Spear of Caven otherwise is just a throwaway, a distraction, like I said. But here it becomes a reward for some RP for playing out this encounter. If you do this, you may also want to consider forcing the Barbarian or whoever to make a difficult choice. Well, might not be that difficult, but set it up like it is uh, a big dilemma. Do you betray your allies? Do you turn on your party members in order to gain power? And like I said, it's not really much of a dilemma because PCs will always side with each other unless you're playing a really unusual kind of game. And also, if the Barbarian is offered this reward, let's say the Blood Spear, and decides he doesn't want to betray his fellows, no problem. Just kill all the druids and take their loot. That's how it usually plays out. So it could be an RP challenge that then breaks down into combat. That's perfectly all right. But I like the idea, if it works for your party, of having one of these three acts not be combat all the time, but rather a role play that centers around the way in which nature has been corrupted in, in Barovia. Oh, the last thing I'll say about role play is the druids maybe already know that Strahd is here or that he's arriving soon. You know, they're expecting him. They've invited him. And they can use that knowledge uh, to boost the stakes in, in the role play. So if the PCs don't want to talk at all, if they see the druids and immediately they go for their weapons, that might be a way to delay it for the druids to call out, say, you may not want to threaten us because we have a very, very powerful friend and he'll be here any minute. Now, the second act, whether you start with the blights or you start with the roleplay, the second act probably is going to revolve around the ritual. As written, this is a timed ritual. Ten rounds of chanting, and if they complete those ten rounds, then Winter Splinter awakens, and you suddenly have a much tougher boss on your hands. The problem with this, as I see it, is 
10 rounds is a lot of time, plenty of time for most PCs, to deal with six druids who aren't really fighting back. It's, it's a little unclear what's going on with the druids. It says they use their actions to chant and dance about. That's fun. If a round goes by and none of the druids are able to chant on their turn, the ritual is ruined. So PCs might realize that they can sort of keep disrupting these druids. One of my PCs casts silence on them, for example. It's clever. But more likely what's going to happen is they're going to get killed or knocked unconscious. How long does it take an average party, party of four members, to knock out ten druids who are not fighting back? Well, probably not very long in real-life terms. I would tweak this puzzle just a little bit, and you can decide how you want to tweak it. The timing, the fact that it's timed, I think is really useful, and I think you should find a way to clarify to your PCs how much time they have to complete, to to uh, basically defuse this bomb that's about to go off. So be clear about the time frame and about the stakes if you can. Oh, move this to a little bit earlier. It's also entirely possible, as my PCs did, to cut right through the Gordian Knot, and rather than interfering with the druids, go for the crystal that's animating this effigy. That means that the ritual can't, can't be completed. And that's okay, too. You just have to make sure that you understand the parameters of the puzzle, and then they can solve it in one of two different ways. So, you make some decisions about how to tweak it, but set it all up for the PCs in advance. Let's say, for argument's sake, that there are ten druids, but... They have five rounds of chanting, and as long as at least one of them is chanting those five rounds, then the bomb will go off. It may also take five rounds to dig your way into the tree and extract that crystal, even if nobody's interfering with you. So you've got a couple of different ways to approach it. In all of this, you might have to wonder what's going on with the berserkers. There are six of them. They're not just hanging around. They represent a means of defending the druids who can't defend themselves. And again, to simplify things for yourself, let's say that these druids are extremely easy to kill, that basically you can coup de gras one if you have nothing else to do that round. Uh, coup de gras is a rule that doesn't really exist in 5th ed the way it did in previous editions, but the idea is take one full round to execute a druid. Your PCs may not want to do it that way. They may want to knock them unconscious instead. Whatever. Make it easy. Don't make it complicated, because it's already complicated enough. You've got Berserkers here, and they are definitely going to interfere. They are going to protect the Druids at all costs. So this combat encounter may end up becoming complex in and of itself, as some PCs choose to fight the Berserkers, and other PCs choose to use trickery or sneakery or different tactics to defuse the ritual. Those are the, uh, the different approaches that they can take. Keep Strahd out of it. As written, Strahd is supposed to interfere as soon as the ritual is disrupted, or as soon as the druids are attacked. Strahd defends the druids if they are attacked. Uh, it also says, and retreats if outmatched, which, <laughs> yeah, right. Keep him out of it, though. Let your version of Strahd just stand back and watch to see what happens, because druids are expendable. You can always get more druids. You can always get more animate trees. Think of it from Strahd's perspective more as a Petri dish experiment. And the PCs are part of that, and you don't want to get too involved. Yeah, That's fine. It's cool if he's nearby. It's cool if the PCs catch sight of him. But 
he should be distant enough, and they should already be into combat enough during Act 2, in the throes of the encounter, that they don't immediately break off and attack Strahd, or break off and run like hell. Strahd, in Act 2, is merely a presence to raise the stakes. You may choose to keep him back until Act 3. That's fine, too. Then he can have a much more dramatic entrance. And and here's really the crux of it for me uh, when I talk about breaking it into acts or locations. The third act is the outcome. It's the consequence of what the PCs do in Act 1, and especially Act 2. Are the PCs able to defuse that ritual in time? Because if they're not, then they've got Winter Splinter to deal with. And as written, the Tree Blight... As written, the Tree Blight just lights up and stomps off to go lay waste to the Wizard of Wines. The PCs may have to chase him. Ah, you can do that, but I don't like it. I think if it wakes up, the first thing it's going to do is lunch on heroes. So Winter Splinter is the third act. Unless, of course, the PCs manage to stop the ritual and defeat all of the Berserkers, in which case Winter Splinter could still be the third act. I kind of like this version. If you decide that the PCs are not up to the challenge of fighting Strahd at this time, and consider the fact that they've probably just been through two big fights. So if you look at them and you think that that would be unfair, it would be a total TPK if Strahd came in right now, then have Strahd finish the job for the Druids, i.e. awaken Winter Splinter, and then just gallop away. I, I like that just in terms of his character, because it's his way of demonstrating that the PCs probably can't accomplish anything of great import as long as Strahd is alive. He's like, eh, no, I want this Avatar of Evil in my land, so I'm going to do it. Maybe that's too frustrating for your PCs if they've fought tooth and nail to stop the ritual and then Strahd comes along and makes it happen anyway. You can decide if that's a bit of irony or if it's going to cause gnashing of teeth. But of course, you have another alternative in either case, which is Act 3 can just be Strahd, can be Strahd entering the fray. And here I do think that changing locations is also useful. Strahd is observing the events inside the stones from a distance. I think regardless of what happens in the Circle of Stones, Strahd should call the PCs to him rather than approaching them. I think he's not going to do that legwork. So when they're done beating up on druids and berserkers. It's fun if Strahd might say, come here, I want to give you a reward for all of your hard work over there. PCs are suckers. Rewards, they say. Oh, that sounds great. But when they get up close to him, the reward is pain. In other words, an inevitable betrayal from the Dark Lord himself. He doesn't need to stick around, just like it says with Strahd encounters overall. If he feels like the tide is turning against him, he's going to bolt, and he might leave early anyway. Uh, just He's here to teach the PCs a lesson, to toy with them a little bit, so he might leave them bruised and battered, but, but not all dead. However, I will say, uh, finally, that uh, this is a great location for one or more character deaths. Yesterhill is full of vile eldritch energy. It would not surprise me in the slightest if somebody who died on Yester Hill comes back in some form or other. And that's for you to decide. You can talk to a PC about bringing them back as a Dompier or something sort of half undead, or you can bring them back as a ghost and control them yourself. Either way, 
dying at Yesterhill gives you, the DM, the potential to carry on a PC story, which is always kind of fun. A couple more minor points. If the PCs arrive here with a goal, do not lose track of that goal. Try to give them at least the satisfaction of knowing whether their goal is successful or not. And the way I've constructed the three-act structure, it's quite likely that they will achieve their goal by the end of Act 2. That is, they may retrieve that gem and stop the ritual by the end of the second step. That's totally fine, because there's a lot of fun to be had in a story that feels like it's over, and phew, we let out our breath, and then rumble, rumble, oh no, here comes something even worse. That's the secret third act, and that's how a lot of encounters work in video games these days. You probably have seen it. But the very last thing I'll say is that it's entirely possible for Yesterhill to be a turning point in your campaign. It does make sense if the PCs are around 6th level, that means that you're about halfway through, and maybe it is time to change the dynamic between the PCs and Strahd von Zerovich. I'll probably talk more about this in a different fast cast, but for now I just want you to consider that if the PCs arrive here and they have not fought Strahd yet, it's definitely time to throw down with him. I don't think more than half of a campaign should go by without that actually happening. If the PCs have encountered Strahd a few times, if he has fought them and toyed with them and so on, then he doesn't necessarily need to go through all of that. In fact, just making an appearance is probably terrifying enough right now. But this might represent a change in a different sense. This might be the point where Strahd realizes that the PCs are actually a potential threat to him. They are getting more powerful. And if they do defeat his druids at Yester Hill, Hmm, maybe he should change his tactics and start considering them a little more seriously. You can decide what that means for you in your campaign, but I think either way, it's an important point where the dynamic between Strahd and the heroes shifts. I hope some of those suggestions are useful for some of you DMs, and I hope that Yester Hill is a rewarding encounter for you. Uh, let me know how it went for you. Um, there's ways to get in touch with us, as usual. Listen to the jingle at the end of this episode, and you'll hear them. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Strawcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions out of Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. It's based on The Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, as well as The Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. But the participants are not affiliated with either company, and we do not seek to profit off this podcast. You can get in touch with us and find more of our podcasts at slackandslashpod.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, you name it. Be sure to leave a review if you like what we do. Till next time, be brave and shine bright.